0: Regardless of people's take on the current tech community and tech industry, the Twin Cities have come a long way, uh, especially in the last decade, and tech talent is starting to move to an entirely different Minnesota. Outside of Chicago, the Twin Cities have ranked as the best entrepreneurial ecosystem in the Midwest and and that area is only getting started thanks to bread and butter. Um, And of course, Minnesota is the bread and butter state. We're going to talk all about that today on the podcast. Welcome to the Powder Cake Podcast, the show that plugs you into the massive opportunities in startups and tech hubs beyond Silicon Valley that are exploding with potential. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and today we have an exciting episode lined up for you because we are diving into a conversation with two very special guests from right here in the Midwest, specifically the Minnesota tech ecosystem. Our first guest is Mary Grove, who's a managing partner at Bread and Butter Ventures. She brings nearly two decades of leadership experience in technology, early stage investing and startup ecosystem growth. Mary served as a founding director of Google for Startups, which is actually how I met her on the Rise of the Rest tours when she was serving, uh, leading that program, scaling it to over 100, com- uh, not, not companies, 100 countries, probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of companies. Uh, Mary also started a nonprofit called Silicon North Stars, on which she now runs to educate and inspire young Minnesotans from economically underserved backgrounds towards futures in tech. And after her 15-year career at Google, Mary worked as an investment partner at Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, where we got to travel all over the country, exploring tech hubs all over the United States, and where she led dozens of investments in a range of sectors, including healthcare, enterprise software, and FinTech. Mary, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. It's great to see you again and great to be with your listeners.
0: Absolutely. I, I've, I know I've introduced you on stage so many times and your bio just keeps getting more and more impressive. And uh, I, I know I don't do it justice, but I'm excited to catch up and learn a little bit more about what you're doing with Bread and Butter.
1: That's oh, too kind. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. And joining me today is Brett Brohl, a managing partner of Bread and Butter Ventures as well. He is also the, the managing director of the Techstars Farm to Fork Accelerator. Brett is an experienced entrepreneur, investor, and mentor driven to make a difference in the world through helping entrepreneurs succeed. He founded or has been CEO of several companies, leading three to exit and also experiencing failure firsthand. Really, as an entrepreneur, go figure. Uh, I also hear he loves leveraging those experience to help the next generation of startups to be successful. Uh, I've had so many friends of the show tell me I need to talk to Brett and get Brett on the show uh, with Mary.
2: So Brett, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I should have had you do my uh uh my, my background first so it didn't look so bad next to Mary's. Oh, I, I didn't even get to do
0: it justice. I, uh, I had to pick only the highlights. And I know we're going to get into a lot of the background here today on the show. So I'm, I can I'm give you like that.
1: five more good bullets throughout this conversation at least.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to ask each of you some dirt on the other. So uh, obviously, we, we want we want the some interesting highlights that are some of the best ofs and then some interesting quirks too if, if you've got them throughout the show. So um, we'll stay tuned. I, I heard uh, for those watching the video version of this podcast, there might be some slam dunks at some point with the uh, Fisher Price basketball <laughs> hoop behind Brett there in the background.
2: We'll see if we get there, we'll see, we'll see how this goes.
0: I, I'm on the edge of my seat, uh, so I, I'm, I think we should dive right in, and I would love to hear just a little bit of the backstory of how you two joined forces. I mean, you're both forces of nature in the tech world, um, helping entrepreneurs, helping these tech ecosystems grow and scale, particularly in the Twin Cities and Minnesota area. Um, but how did this come to be, and how did you kind of team up at Bread and Butter, Mary? Do you mind maybe kicking off your your experience of how that all came to be?
1: Absolutely. So, my experience has been, you know, amazing over the last couple of years. It's been a big transformative change, moving from almost two decades in the Bay Area, making that move from Silicon Valley back to the Midwest. Uh, my husband's from Minnesota. I was born in Iowa, actually, and have we have a just a huge family footprint here. And it was a very, very cool opportunity to be a part of the, the innovation economy that's happening right here on the ground here in the Midwest in the region, and also to raise our young family here. I have you know, three and a half year old twins, and this is just an amazing place to build, to build a family, I think to build a business, to build a venture firm. And so Brett and I, we actually met for the first time four years ago, and you spoke earlier about Silicon North Stars, my nonprofit that my husband and I run together. We started that group back in 2013, And it was all about building a bridge between Minnesota, a place we had roots, and Silicon Valley, a place we lived at the time to connect youth from economically underserved backgrounds towards futures and technology. And we were running the program while living in the Bay Area, but needed a Minnesota on the ground component. And Brett was one of the first people to raise his hand and get involved actively as a mentor and a coach and really taught our kids about about startup life, about... Venture capital and has been an active volunteer in our program ever since 2016. So that's actually how we first met, what brought us together. But landing on the ground here in 2018, you know, in the VC community, we were a pretty tight-knit, close group because it's not a it's not a huge group of of uh, investors yet in the community, which is growing. But we've just started collaborating very organically on a number of efforts from our Minnesota quarterly investors meetups to guest lecturing together. I've also been a program. Uh, mentor and every one of Brett's TechStars Farm to Fork programs, and met every company that's come through his his uh, his programs there, which has been super fun. And so, as I came to this inflection point, you know, I had a, a great experience with two years at Rise of the Risk and getting to see and learn more about what's happening outside the coasts. I decided that the time was right for me to really make a commitment to go all in and deep on the ecosystem I now call home on Minnesota. And also going back to my global roots of looking at um, opportunities and investments globally, really, but bringing it back to that Minnesota home, Minnesota home base. And so that's from my perspective, the story of you know how did this make sense and how did it come together? It's just been such a, such a natural and organic partnership from day one. I, I couldn't be more excited about the road ahead.
0: What would you say is one of Brett's superpowers?
1: He's got a tremendous number of them. I, the first one is probably... The fact that he himself you know, is an entrepreneur through and through, an entrepreneur at heart and brings that perspective, the empathy, but also the, the tactical learnings. And, and so he's extremely founder first, which is a fundamental principle of our firm, right? Is how, how do we treat entrepreneurs who we, we're fortunate have selected us to be a part of their journey? And that's just a value that he embodies on every level.
0: I love that. That's, that's cool. Founder first is a good way to be, very, uh, very Bradfeld.
1: I thought you were going to say Brad Pitt. Could be Brad Pitt too.
2: Very Brad Pitt. It is. Uh, actually, so Foundry Group actually invested in one of my startups that I ran as an entrepreneur. And um, a lot of the, and I, I really respected and enjoyed having them on the cap table and the way they treated me, even though I was a very small, um, very, very small portion of um, their investment and in overall, uh, in the overall grand scheme of things. Um, I learned a lot actually from that experience. I don't even know if they realized that, but I did. That's so
0: cool. I, I think those kinds of experiences are interesting to watch, right? Those like DNA imprints and kind of how they go in, in different directions. Um, back before Powder Keg, you know, Verge was the community that kind of became Powder Keg. And Micah Sem from M25, who we were just talking about, uh, was on the guest of the show recently, ran uh Verge West Lafayette and Katie Burge who's now on the M25 team right ran, ran Verge Bloomington and it's like now our paths are crossing again in new and beautiful ways and it's i, I love how interconnected and interwoven this whole tech between the coast community is getting
2: Yeah it's awesome um, I totally agree it's and and what M25 and um the team up there is doing is phenomenal for it and really helping a lot of that c- connectivity so and if you, if you haven't had a chance to read any of um the articles that mike has written i would strongly encourage all of your listeners to check out what um the articles that mike's written because they're phenomenal he's a phenomenal writer
0: oh yeah subscribe to the Substack while you're at it i um i would love to hear a little bit more about your story brett because I, I know you're or at least i think you're not originally from the midwest either right didn't you come from the east coast
2: yeah i'm from i grew up in south florida um mary and i are two um southern uh sunny states um uh natives more you know at least where we grew up and we have decided to move to the coldest place in the united states uh what what at least feels like the coldest place in the united states during the winters um and so uh but yeah i grew up in florida and have moved further north my entire life so um uh, and ended up in minnesota in 2009 i was a entrepreneur i um i followed actually followed my wife up here so my wife and i were at business school and i was um, running my own company and even with my own company and we weren't married at the time, but she had a job with general mills. And so general mills brought us out here. I just had one co-founder, um, at the time and I could kind of go anywhere. I had a distributed workforce. Uh, it was just the two of us. Um, and so I could go anywhere and, uh, and we ended up in Minnesota and, um, you know, when, I think when we got here, we thought it was going to be a, you know, two or three year stop. And you know, here we are 11 years later, our kids have been born in Minnesota. Um, and i i don't think we're going anywhere i it's a really hard thing to imagine us leaving uh leaving the state now
0: i uh i love that story because i'm sure you've seen a lot in the last decade plus in terms of the growth of the ecosystem um but also i i feel like it's Mm -hmm. so common for so many in the middle of the country to end up in a tech ecosystem because they followed their spouse to that ecosystem we've got new people every day coming into the powder keg community saying hey my husband is going to be working at Lilly, or my wife is going to be working at Cummins, and I work in tech. Are there tech companies in Indianapolis? <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's
2: there's a lot. I was say, eleven years ago, I don't know if they, uh, when we landed here, it's like, where's where are the other startups? So frankly, right, that was um, that was uh, it was a really hard thing to find in Minnesota um, in 2009. Um, at least my experience, it was a really hard thing to find to find the community and find the other startups here.
0: Uh, for for those that are in kind of more emerging tech ecosystems, um, do you have any advice for people who are looking to plug in and new to an area and and saying, hey, i I just landed here. I need to find a tech company to work for or I need to find investors for my startup. Uh, where do you start?
2: Yeah, yeah and I, you know it's like like anything else in entrepreneurship, don't ever expect that it's going to come to you, right? Like that's rule number one is that if you don't put the work in, it's not going to happen. the The real amazing thing that's happened to the entrepreneurial ecosystem globally is that in these smaller markets, all of these support um, organizations like PowderKeg. You know, in Minnesota we have Beta.mn, we have um, you know we have Lunar, we have a variety of um, we have uh, New Star, we have a variety of support organizations for founders that actually make it pretty easy to plug in or at least start attending things. And you, you got to put yourself out there, right? And so my number one piece of advice is whenever wherever you land or whenever you land. Try and understand what's the landscape, who are those nonprofits or those support organizations that are helping build and, and um, support the, um, the ecosystem and the entrepreneurs in the ecosystem and reach out to the leaders of that, right? Reach out to the leaders of that ecosystem because that's their job it's a, and that's what they wanted. The reason they do that, those jobs is not because um, the glitz and glamour, it's because they really, truly help, enjoy helping founders and helping entrepreneurs connect in. Um, so reach out to those people and just say, hey, this is what we do. Who should I be connecting with? And then it's, you know, then you're on a coffee tour for months, right? Um, is the, the general um, grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things, you're just meeting people. But yeah, leverage the support organizations that are now available in your region because um, they're almost everywhere.
0: Well, and you, you mentioned things like uh, showing up to events and uh, going on coffee tours. And, and obviously that, that world has shifted a little bit, at least for the time being, uh, recording this here in uh, almost September of 2020. So we're almost six months in i know we're we are six months uh, almost six months into uh, pandemic life here. Um, what are some of the ways you've seen shift in terms of how people are plugging into tech communities uh, between the coasts?
1: I think it's a unique opportunity and i've been I've been excited both as a participant and observing as well you know i think and i've spent because i've spent most of my career on the coast actually I've, I've still been in close touch with a lot of colleagues and former colleagues there. And I think the interest could not be higher in looking at ecosystems and and companies, potential investments outside of the coast. And that's, I think, been the trend trending toward that for a while. But now, you know, Zoom has sort of democratized uh, access, if you will, in a way that that it never has before. The expectations are 100% level from a, we're not traveling, we're doing everything virtually. So I think it's been exciting. It's been certainly exciting for us to see from a deal flow an opportunity perspective the increase in both volume and quality of inbound coming from all corners of the world in fact and then secondly the ability for us to participate and engage in events that you know, i previously had to say no to a lot because you can't just you can't be on the plane all the time and um i've been recently able to connect again with with um community at American Underground in Raleigh-Durham, the community at Capital Factory in Austin, and just get get more deeply reconnected in meaningful ways that are are really exciting. So I, I thought early on I worried if Zoom fatigue would really settle in and if all this virtual content would be, you know, no thank you, but we've been really excited. One of the things that we do here in Minnesota is we have a quarterly investor series that we run through an organization in partnership with a group called forge North and um, Brett and I put that series together and essentially have an open free educational session once a quarter hosted by the VC community here and you know our first our first edition we had held 90 minutes originally because it was supposed to be 30 minutes of in-person networking but we still kept it for 90 minutes and people stayed on the whole time and just really engaged and and it was awesome so um, and then the last thing I'll say is we, as a team, have been trying to be even more active in the community than, than ever. Um, so every member of our team does open office hours every week. And those are available off our website, breadandbutterventures.com. But if you want to talk with us, you know anyone from anywhere in the world can set up time. You can pitch us a company. You can ask for feedback. You can talk about uh, Brett's meat smoking skills, anything you want.
0: <laughs> I'm in for Brett's meat smoking skills. I just got myself a green egg, so it's it's go time on that
1: it's the best you will not regret it no
0: not one minute <laughs> uh, Brett how about you what what kinds of um, what kinds of ways have you shifted in terms of your advice whether that's to entrepreneurs or even investors in terms of how to approach um, continuing to find opportunity in tech in a world that has shifted
2: yeah I mean I actually think that there's to, to Mary's point, I think that in some ways there's more opportunity now than there was prior to um, the shutdown because in a lot of ways, people have more time um, right now and so people are not commuting and uh, meetings rather than running over because of the, you know, the chit chat that you have before and after times like meetings are pretty like we're done at 2 30 let's be done at 2 30 right and you, you switch and you move to the next one and so um, calendar space is open and we've I've seen that it's easier to get on people's calendars than it has been in the past in a lot of ways. And um, so take advantage of that, right? Um, so make sure that you are, again, put yourself out there, try and set up meetings, try and set up um, like virtual coffees. Um, and I think what's important though, is if you're doing that, be present in the meetings. I think like um, with, with video, you have people have a tendency to be checking emails, checking phone, doing other things, multitasking. It's easier to multitask when you're on a, um, a virtual meeting than it is when you're in an in-person meeting. So make sure that you're present um, during your meetings Um, and, and, you know, be on video. If you're pitching an investor, one of my biggest pet peeves is if I show up on video and the startup isn't on video, right? It's like, you know, I can't meet you in person right now. The best I can do is see you on a video and get to know you on a video. So please like show up for it. Right. Um, It sends a signal. Um, And then, you know, there's some other best practices out there as well around video meetings and video pitches, but um, I guess be present. And again, like, leverage the fact that people are at home and willing to do videos and you can also stack more like you yourself like rather it usually as the founder you're the one that's got to drive everywhere to go meet people and see people right you're the one that's putting yourself out there so leverage the fact that you don't have to drive anywhere right like you can stack your meetings right so fill your days um uh, and leverage the network so yeah I, i you know i think that that's probably the best thing you know there are so many um Uh, different virtual um, events going on right now, too. So I'd say be careful picking and choosing the right ones for you and the ones that you want to attend, um, because there is a lot of content, virtual content out there right now. So make sure it's worthwhile and it's worth your time. It's really something that you're interested in doing.
0: I I really like that advice. And um, I couldn't agree with with both of you more. It really does seem like, of course, there was already a trend of focus on tech between the coasts, you know, these growing, scaling, companies growing scaling tech ecosystems growing scaling funds uh it's it kind of feels like we leapt forward five years in like five months of where that trend line was pre-covid um and i I do i do feel like there is some i hate you opportunity is almost like not a good word to use because uh you know obviously there are enormous downsides to a pandemic and all things being equal, I would much prefer there not be a pandemic, but um, you know, it, it, I think it's in entrepreneurial DNA to kind of say, Hey, things have shifted. Where is the opportunity now to create value for others, to help people. And it's, it's cool to hear both of you thinking that way, seeing that opportunity. Um, all right. Next question, Brett, what is one of Mary's superpowers?
2: Yeah. And one of the downsides is having loud things happening while you're on a podcast outside. Um, so I apologize for the neighbor that is currently mowing their yard. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unexpected. Um, Mary, I think Mary, uh, my favorite Mary's superpower right now is connectivity. Man, she can get to anyone and knows so many people and is really good at not just, it's not random connectivity. It's right, right person, right fit, right connection. Um, and it's just really impressive to see the um, the way that she can connect two people, like regardless if it's like, you know, just in the want and desire to actually do that too, of like even if there's no benefit to married to bread and butter to anyone, it's just you should talk to you. And then and consistently, everybody she meets, she's able to do that and make a really meaningful connection with some um, between two people that will benefit both of those individuals. And I think that's a really really impressive superpower.
0: Is that always been a strength of yours, Mary, or were there kind of some, uh, secrets that you learned along the way, um, that, that helped you kind of be a better connector, but also, um, learn from others in doing so.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I, I definitely, I'm super, I'm, I'm super, uh, energized by meeting people. I'm a people person, which has actually been very hard in the time of the pandemic because that's how I derive my own energy. But, I just believe in in genuine genuine interactions and relationships over the course of a long time add up and it's it's always good to approach it as how, how can i be helpful to you to everyone you're meeting if possible and you know later in the future i may need, need to ask something of you or or would you meet this company would you mentor this person would you help me personally in some way and i you know life has life is is a this virtuous cycle and so i've always believed in treating people the way you want to be treated for sure But also, you know, and that goes when entrepreneurs pitch us as well. If it's not a fit for our fund for whatever reason, whether it's stage or sector or we have a competitive investment, we always try really hard. The answer is no, but can I help you? And when we do that, we'll try to make an intro or two and we genuinely will follow up and and do that. But I've just been um, very blessed in my career to work with and for specifically a small number of people who just really taught me that, that mentality of pay it forward and always be helping and can you, can you always pull up another seat to the table? If I have an opportunity to have access to something really unique, can I, can I plus one, you know, someone else in there? And from a young, from early in my career, I got opportunities that I had absolutely no qualifications and right to do. And I always have um, tried to pay it forward in a small way whenever I can. And so, but it it is really genuine, authentic um, relationships. And And that goes back to it's been relatively easy in the context of bread and butter because people are really fascinated by what's happening. And if I say, we have this awesome company based in Minnesota or X city, you need to meet them, large Silicon Valley firm. Um, you know, it, it genuinely is mutually beneficial. It's not just a, a calling in a favor.
0: Tell me more about bread and butter. Where does the name come from? And uh, what does that mean to you putting it on the, the fund that you're both running?
1: We're really excited about uh all aspects of the name so bread and butter as an origin story you know bread and butter as you alluded to earlier it's one of the many nicknames for the great state of minnesota the bread and butter state we got that moniker in the world fair of 1902 when people you know came from around the world and they admired minnesota's excellence in dairy products and flour products uh, flour mills but more broadly you know we believe that our Our whole fund thesis is about investing in the backbone sectors of the modern economy moving forward, which are to us the bread and butter sectors, which are ag tech you know food and ag tech how we how we feed ourselves, health tech, how we care for one another, and enterprise software, how we work with one another and I think those will stand the test of time, but particularly in a in a world where we are hopefully soon emerging from covid nineteen it'll never be you know we'll never afford to underinvest in those sectors and so that's bread and butter for us. But in addition, there's a lot of fun I, plays on that and, and swag. I like the
2: dad jokes. I like the yeah. I like the dad joke side of it the best. That's why I like it because um, you can make a lot of really good puns and fun dad jokes. Like what's your bread? What's your bread and butter? Um, you know uh, things like that. There's there's a whole lot of plays on on it right there. And so that I think that's impressive.
0: Have you started riffing on that at all? Like going into toast or types of breads or certain <laughs>
2: flavored butters? When we went through our uh, logo design process when we were making our logo for the fund we did have a variety of like pieces of toast that we were thinking about including in the bread and butter logo um, and things like that we are also thinking about incorporating the name into um, you know if we invest in a company or sending them a package or things like that like you know that could be a fun a fun little play on the name too like sending them some nice uh, artisan bread and butter (laughs) <laughs> like it's
1: happening. It. It's, it's on the roadmap guys.
2: <laughs> I like it. Actually when we have, when we have team meetings, all we have is bread
0: and butter. We're not allowed to have anything else. It's like a team rule. <laughs> I like it. It's very startup. It's, you know, what's, what's our team lunch, bread and butter. What's our team breakfast, bread and butter.
2: The good news is there's also a brand of wine named bread and butter. So you can actually have wine with it all. We can have wine and bread and butter. So we can have like the third piece as well. That's dangerous. It's pretty
1: good. Too. It's, pretty good. It's, it's a Napa <laughs> Valley wine.
0: Oh, nice. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. I mean, I'm pretty much just working on startups and drinking wine here in Indianapolis. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think, uh, I think my fiance would be pretty happy uh, to see a new new uh, brand that we haven't already been cracking into over the pandemic. Um, talk to me a little bit about the culture at bread and butter. Um, what makes you all tick? Um, what's it like working there? And, uh, is that similar to what you would say the culture of Minnesota Tech is? Or uh, are you on your own, are you, your own unique and beautiful snowflake, which I know there's a lot of in Minnesota in the winter months?
2: I think that we are our own unique, beautiful snowflake. Um, I would say that the, I think the cool part about our team and about what we do is it's a, it is a very di- we're a very diverse team, right? There's three of us. It's myself, Mary, and Steph, Rich is our third, um, third member of our team. Um, we have very, very different backgrounds. Um, Steph is a um, Minnesotan native, native. Um, so we all come from like different parts of the country, very different backgrounds, um, and very different perspectives on things, uh, and I, and that's fun for us. So we all um, really respect and enjoy each other's opinions, and really respect and enjoy each other's um, you know outlooks on things. I and mean, but we all come from the same place, right? It it is very you know we want to be supportive, we want to be helpful to each other, to the founders, to the community. And so we have like our same like core um you know ethos is, is similar but we, we approach it in slightly different ways and from uh, which is built on the backgrounds that we come from and so um i think that's really uh, really what makes us up awesome in a lot of ways um, and it's really enjoyable uh, to me anyways i think we all enjoy truly working together
0: anything you'd like to add to that mary on the bread and butter culture
1: i love i love waking up and tackling this mission every day with with these two partners in crime specifically. And, you know, I I think it's, we have such a shared alignment and mission and goals. And we did, when we set out to work together, the three of us, we sat down on the front end, went through a values exercise, and we literally had, I think it was 98% overlap out the gate and the other ones were all things that both the others agreed with, it's just hadn't been prioritized in our top, you know, five or whatnot. And so that is really, really cool. but I think the other thing that I'm proud of, and you know, Brett touched on this a little bit, is we want to lean very far forward to transform the landscape of venture capital today on every level with respect to who's included and in that that closed network-driven business that we're in. And the diversity of our team, it leads to better decision-making, but it also leads to better deal flow. And we consistently see that. And that's because, it's partially because of... of um, you know, who we are and what we look like, but also the communities we're part of, the organizations we're part of, uh, the volunteer work that we do. Silicon North Star is a good example of, you know, engaging the community through a different lens. And so, and that's reflected in the data. You know, we're really proud. I was just earlier today, I'd realized that our, of our last seven investments we've made, six of those companies are founded or co-founded by women or people of color. And that's, you know, it's exciting to see how team diversity is reflecting reflected now in our, in our investing.
0: That's really cool. Is, uh, is culture important at the startup stage? If so, why?
2: It's the most important thing um, I think, or it's, uh, I mean, when we invest or what I've always said, when I invest, it's like team, team, team product market, right? Is uh, so 60% of the stage we invest is all about the team. Um, and if you don't have a good culture amongst your team, one of the, Team is one of the four things I look. uh, Culture is one of the four things I look for in team. um, Is one of the most important things. Um, uh, When you are working with a small organization and there are like two founders, that next hire that you make changes your culture by 33 percent, or you know, you know, it's going to be you're you're going to drastically change your culture by bringing one more person on, and you have to be really, really careful about making sure that that people are not only you know, really good at whatever role that, you know, the sales role that, that they're good at sales, but you also have to be really careful about making sure they fit culturally with your organization. I learned this firsthand. Um, I actually made a really bad culture hire with one of my startups. Uh, it cost us, it was a very senior level, um, executive level um, technologist that was really good at the technology piece, really bad culture fit. Um, I had a, a woman that was my right-hand person for um, three of my startups actually in my office and basically Brett say said, like, it's either him or me, like, and I had built three companies with this person. Right. And I, I mean, I'm like ashamed that I let it get to that point, Uh, but I think that a lot of startups make similar mistakes where after you raise venture capital, you feel under like, you're under a tremendous amount of pressure to, um, you know, to hire and fill, put the butts in seats and, and, you know, bring on that expertise and spend the money. And, and sometimes it's hard to find, it takes time to find really good people that check all the boxes, like hard workers, great work ethic, cultural fit, um, perfect role, like background for the job. And the, Thing that they tend to you know if the box doesn't check they're like okay we'll, we'll get around it is the culture one it literally i think killed or at least killed the, our ability to pivot that company we lost six months of runway um and we never really recovered with that startup so i think it's incredibly important wow
0: yeah tremendous downside to the wrong culture uh, culture match there mary what are your thoughts on it
1: you know i have the amazing privilege of being part of one of the most special special cultures of innovation i think and that will be go down on the history of tech which is google right you know i kind of i grew up there professionally right? i started at google when i was 22 years old and i left 15 years later when i started the company was 2,000 people when i left we were over a hundred thousand people and i think being able to appreciate and watching watching a company being part of a company scaling but maintaining culture and developing it over time—that's the other thing, right? It, it's sort of it's it's one thing when you're all in person, and you're maybe sharing like a 500 square foot office. But as you scale and become become national, become global, take over the world in your industry, how do you, how will you maintain it? it? It goes back to the very fundamental founding team, and and I, it cannot be underscored enough how critical culture is. And if it's broken, fix it. Be honest about it. Own it. It's okay. But you know, cut, cut those losses early and acknowledge it because I've, and I've seen, you know, when that hasn't happened as well, but it always has just been, been such a foundational uh, part of I think how I, how I grew up and how I approach the world and for our companies now, you know, never make the short term sacrifice because you know, you have the opportunity to build the next Google.
0: Absolutely. Do you, do you have any advice for tech professionals that are looking for the right startup culture, to join and really grow their career?
1: I think a lot of the things that I valued, particularly in, in you know, tech environments, one was definitely transparency and the flow of information. And I think that's, you know, both at, at the executive level, but really company wide. What's that transparency look like? What's my access to information? What's my is there a bottoms-up culture or is it all top-down? It's an important thing. Um, another really big one for me is. Measurement and accountability and tracking and you know meticulous about about measurement ROI and setting goals. I have operated under the OKR framework, which many of you may know, the objectives and key results for a long time, and just being able to tangibly quantify things that are very hard to measure. Um, to being data driven in your decision making, and then uh, the other I think is just awareness and vulnerability and the ability to be authentic about your particular skill set as either a team leader or a contributor and being able to hire a resource against the areas where you're not strong and have zero qualms or insecurities about it. It's okay to have authentic vulnerability, which I think makes you a powerful leader, but those are a few of the, the big ones.
0: I like those a lot. Brett. anything I, for you? I would
2: add, yeah, I would add just do your homework too, right? I mean, just like you're getting interviewed, make sure you're interviewing the company. Um, so. Um, You know, take the time and if there's opportunities to meet other employees, you know, take the opportunity and and it's optional or whatever, take the opportunities to meet those people and to um, to get to know the culture as best as you possibly can. So do your homework as well. Don't just let them do homework on you.
0: I, I like that advice a lot. Um, I, I'm, I know we've all seen the headlines, whether it's on Wall Street Journal or The Economist or Business Insider or TechCrunch or Crunchbase, wherever. Uh, there's all these articles coming out right now about people in traditional tech hubs like San Francisco and New York City saying in a post-pandemic world or a pandemic world, why do I live here when I could literally work from anywhere, live anywhere? Um, why would i live in the twin cities what what's special about that tech ecosystem and and what are you most excited about in those communities i'll let whoever is most excited to answer that question <laughs> jump in first
1: i think we're both pretty pretty bullish on the ecosystem here maybe i'll go first as the newbie to town or the, the newer of the two of us i, like I have you know a really interesting i think kind of outsiders insiders perspective because my because my husband's from Minnesota and I've been you know been together for a decade and I've been getting little sound bites or little visits through through Silicon North Stars too, knew the periphery of the tech ecosystem. But really arriving here two years ago and immersing myself in it, it is there's so much here that people don't know about outside of this community. And I I am here to tell you about it loud and proud. But you know one I think the one of the biggest strengths of Minnesota is just truly the diversity of our economy and versus places like silicon valley where it's super strong in one very specific thing tech we have such a such an amazing fabric and we talked about you know our fortune 500 backbone infrastructure is the greatest that there is in, in the country we've got the five largest food companies in the world are headquartered here from a medical um, from a health tech perspective you know whether it's mayo clinic united healthcare medtronic we are really we have a rich medical alley as we call it here and then any other you know what do you want to talk about insurance or fintech? Um, it's here. And I think that lends itself well to a talent pool that that can kind of flow in and out between startups and, and industry. So that's one thing that's really exciting. The second is that people here are really collaborative, right? It's a smaller, it's a, it's a more nascent, I would say, ecosystem that's come quite far in the last five years. But also there's a lot of opportunity and everybody is essentially relatively connected by a few degrees at least, and very willing to help. And so, and I found that, that was my experience when I arrived here was that very quickly, you know, I, Brett was coincidentally one of the first person to say, hey, why don't you bring your family over to my house for dinner and, and let's barbecue? Again, going back to the meat smoking, but <laughs> a lot of other people um, did that. And you know, I can, I can inter- oh, you're interested in this sector, let to these five cool companies. And that very quickly, that virtuous cycle of, of connectivity and paying it forward um those are a couple of things that are special. And then the last is we have this really cool I would say startup support organization layer here that's just really unique. It's the number of accelerators, the co-working spaces, the the tech publications, the podcasts. It's really cool. There's a lot of great content coming out of Minnesota. So I would say um those are some of the things that that I was excited about. And then lastly, you know, the, the quality of life factor, the the um the cost of building a company and building a business here is significantly, I mean, you're asking a girl who lived in Silicon Valley in New York, but I would say, you know, the, the, the dollar stretches far here. And I, I think it's, um, it's a, just a great place to live.
2: What about you, Brett, what... Uh... I mean, I think she about covered everything. Um, <laughs> uh, I love the connectivity, right? Like I, I genuinely believe it's pretty easy. Like, if you wanna to get to somebody in the Twin Cities ecosystem, you can get to that person, right? We all like we all show up at like the 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 ecosystem events. Like we're there, right? We're out and in and, and about. So right it is not a closed ecosystem. Again, like you might have to put yourself out there as a founder or as a um you know like put yourself out there and come say hi or go to these things yourself. But like it, if you can't find people here or at least get a warm intro, you're probably not working hard enough. And um and I, I you know there's always some people that might not be helpful but like in general, people are willing to help and connect if they can, um, and that's always been my experience here as well. And so I love that um, it's a it's a smaller ecosystem. You can kind of get to anybody, and then and some of those anybodys are like significant people at these big corporations. And so there are you know there is that opportunity on the enterprise side here that is really unique to Minnesota.
0: Yeah, that, I mean big brands there, right? Uh, big retailers, big uh, dairy presence, big ag tech presence. Um, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on there, and I'm excited to uh, get the Powder Kid community more plugged in to what's going on up there. One of our um, national partners um, or sponsors is uh, CLA, based out of uh, Minneapolis, and they've been a tremendous ally for us, you know, plugging into many other tech communities around the country, serving a lot of those, um, you know, secondary uh, tech hubs which I, and I don't really like that term and I don't like flyover tech hubs and, and I don't really like uh, the, you know, a lot of the other monikers that go with the middle of the country, but you, you get what I'm saying. There, there is, um, there's just a lot kind of coming out of Minneapolis and the twin cities. And it seems like it's more and more becoming an epicenter uh, of exactly what you're talking about. Those, those bread and butter industries, which is really cool.
1: You know, and I don't yeah. I'm not a big fan of those terms either, those those monikers, but I also don't mind them because I like being the underdog. It's like I do too. Let let us let us privet you. Just just keep your eye on this space.
0: I like it. I like that energy. Well, thank you both so much for being on the show today. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off?
1: Just that, you know, we're 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 just excited to be reconnecting with the powder keg community and we'd love to meet you. We'd love to you check out our office hours. And we're also, you know, we actively invest um, all over the country, we can invest globally as well. But we, we talked about our big three sectors, the food and ag tech, health tech, enterprise software. We also can invest generally outside of those areas as well. So if you're a great company, you know, we'd love to hear from you and uh, yeah, look forward to, to staying in touch.
0: Yeah, Mary and Brett, uh, I know you've invested in and with many, uh, many past guests of the Powder Powderkeg podcast and many friends of Powder mm-hmm. Keg. Um, and I'm so glad we could have you on the show. Um, I'm sure it won't be the last time. And I'm sure there'll be lots of other ways we can collaborate on future Unvalley conferences and uh, uh, podcasts and everything as the tech ecosystem between the coasts keep getting better connected. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for what you're doing, Matt. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, huge thanks for my guests, Mary Grove and Brett Broll. Be sure to reach out to Mary and Brett at Bread and Butter VC. For links to their social profiles and all the other people, companies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes. Uh, go ahead and give us a subscribe while you're there. Um, as you probably know, we just hit episode 150 of the podcast, um, 100,000 plus downloads. We're going to be taking a temporary vacation from the podcast and get ready for season two. Uh, I know season one was very, very long with 100 50 episodes but uh, we've been getting some great feedback of course the spark our weekly newsletter has just taken off our online community on slack is blowing up in all the right good ways Um, so season two of the powder keg podcast is going to take a lot of what we're learning from these emerging tech hubs more tech hubs in the community now so stay tuned for season two and the release date there and please go ahead and and give us feedback at powderkeg.com slash survey and if you're looking to hear more interesting stories conversations and opportunities uh, to connect directly with top-tier founders, leaders, and innovators, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. You'll be the first to know when we release the new season. Thanks to everyone who's already left us a review. That helps us reach more people. And we, we will catch you next time in season two. There might be some in between episodes uh, of the Powdercake podcast. Thanks, everyone.